Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. You're listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities, and it is our aim to lead you to the cross through the teaching of God's Word. So we are in John chapter 15. Let's pray and then we'll get into it. Father, we thank you for the blessing that you are to us. God, I just thank you for Wednesday nights. It's just, it's just an awesome time to just set aside for you, middle of the week, um, kind of getting over the hump and just coming in and sitting before your feet and hearing from, from you, Lord Jesus. And that's what we want. I know that I'm sitting here talking, but Lord, you speak through your word. And that's what we want to hear. I want to hear it too. We want to hear you speak through your word. And so, Lord, we just pray that as your word says, that you guide us into all truth and that you just do a work in us here this evening. Purify our hearts, Lord, with your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's start reading at the, at the beginning just, just for context. Um, we've already talked about pruning and all that stuff, but it's been a while since we've been in the passage. So Jesus says, I'm the true vine, And my father is the vine. Wait, we got to stop. Dolores. What what is today, Dolores? It's Dolores' birthday. (laughs) So 88. Wow, 88. So you have to stand up. And we're going to sing to you. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Dolores. Happy birthday to you. Yeehaw. Okay, awesome. Do you know this one? Happy birthday to you, only one will not do. Born again means salvation, we're glad you had to. (laughs) All right, back to John 15. Jesus says in verse one, I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit, thus trials in your life. If you're having trials in your life, it's not not necessarily an evidence that God's got a problem with you. It may be evidence that God is pleased with you and he just wants to get more fruit out of you. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine and neither can you unless you abide in me. That should be like one of your life verses because you're never gonna get it right, you're never gonna get it straight unless you're abiding in Jesus. That means you're rooted and grounded in him, you're abiding in in him, and then later on it says his his word is abiding in you because you're not bearing fruit unless you abide in Jesus. It says, I am the vine, 
You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Not most things. You can do nothing, is what he says. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. And so if you're not abiding, you will wither. You can tell when you're not abiding because you start withering, right? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. And so Jesus, when he's talking to the disciples, he says, I want you to bear fruit. I want you to bear more fruit. I want you to bear much fruit. And that's where we were at last time. We were talking about answered prayer. Verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And the reason that that can happen is not because you're twisting God's arm and making him do what you want. The reason that can happen is because God has changed your heart and you're going to be asking things that go along with the will of God. What God does is, you know, prayer changes things. You ever heard that prayer changes things? You know what prayer mostly changes? Yeah, you, me. Prayer changes us. And so when we're abiding in God's word, his word's getting into us, we're seeing where God's heart is at. And so I'm not gonna be asking for things that are messed up anymore. And even if I don't know whether or not the thing that I want is actually the will of God, I'm not gonna have any problem at all saying your will be done, Lord. If you got a problem saying your will be done, that's tweaked, that's tweaked. Because either you don't know the Lord well enough to trust him, or you're outside of God's will and you just want what you want. And either one of those is tweaked. And so I gotta get myself back into the place where I want God's will. And just experience-wise, I've been, I've been doing this a long time, since 1975. There's never been a time when I got my will above God's will that I was happy about it. Never been a time. I might have been happy right at first, and then it all blew up in my face. And so every time that God has overruled my will and done what he wanted in my life, it's always been awesome it's always been over the top because he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And so now here I am and I'm 63 and when I pray, I'm always like, God, whatever you wanna do, these are my ideas, these are what, the things that I, that I would like to see done, but you wanna overrule me any old day. You just overrule me and do what you wanna do in the situation because again, God know, knows much more than me he does it way better than me. And again, he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I could come up with. And so I can, I can trust him in those things. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. When you get to verse nine, he starts talking about love. We hit on this last time too. Verse nine is another one of those verses um, that you need to underline and you need to be paying attention to because this is one of the coolest verses in the Bible. He says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you, abide in my love. And so Jesus is loved by the Father, right? And we can all see why. 
right? Because he does it right all the time. He's perfect. He's good. He's righteous. He's wise. Everything that you could want in a man, you've got in Jesus. He is always right all the time. I get why the Father loves him. But what Jesus says right after that is so important for you and me because he says, as the Father loved me, so just like the Father loves me, I also have loved you. That's pretty, that's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. He's saying he loves me like the Father loves him. And the Father's got all kinds of reason to love him. And when I look at Jesus's love for me, a lot of times I'm sitting there going, why would you? Why would you after what I just said? Why would you after what I just did? Why would you after how I just failed? Why would you? And yet Jesus says, I love you just like the Father loves me. Something to keep in mind. Satan's always gonna come along and try to convince you uh, that the Father, ha- that, that Jesus has a problem with you for one reason or another. And a lot of times he'll be telling you the truth in the sense that the one reason or another is a problem. But one of the things that you have to remember is that when Jesus is looking at us, he's looking at us like the Father looks at him. And so as if you were perfect, as if you were perfect, this is how I look at my daughter, as if she's perfect. I know she's not perfect, and you know, she's done stupid things, but she's practically perfect. And don't tell her I said that, because she'll start asking me for things. You know, I'm just joking, but she's probably watching on TV right now. So don't call me and try to get stuff from me, Bethany. <laughs> In any case, that's how Jesus loves you. That's how Jesus loves me. And we're, we're to abide in that love. And so again, the word abide means to be rooted and grounded. It means don't move. And so one of the first things that I ever learned about the Lord was that he loved me. Remember walking into church, and that's one of the things, you know, one of the things that impacted me was that I was such a jerk and the pastor kept talking about everything that I'd done. That was one thing. And the other thing that impacted me the first time I walked into church and understood what was going on is the fact that God loved me. And I was sitting there going, and he showed me verses. And I was sitting there going, I don't get this. I don't, I don't understand how God can love me. I don't understand how that, how that can be like that. And I was just blown away by the fact that the Lord loved me. And that is a cool place to be, blown away by the fact that the Lord loves you. And what you need to do is stay there. Don't move. You don't move from that position. Blown away that the Lord loves you. You just stay right there. And if you do that, good things will happen. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And so the keeping of commandments, the obedience to God, is something that goes along with love. You can't say that you love God and disobey him. You can't say you love God and do exactly the opposite of what you would have him do. And again, we, we talked about this last time. This is just intuitive on, on every kind of level. When I started dating my wife, I was really, really interested in doing everything that she wanted because I was in love with her. And so doing everything that she wanted me to do, it's like, it's like her slightest wish was my command, as you wish, 
<laughs> and so her slightest wish was my command, and I, would, I, I just wanted her to know that I loved her, and so I would do things for her all the time. And I still do that. I do things for Bobby all the time. And the reason that I do them is because I love her, and I want her to know that I love her. And so I try to take care of things. That is how love works. And so if I was saying that I loved her and all the time I was doing exactly the opposite of what I know she wants, that's an indication that I don't love her, not the way that I'm supposed to. That's an indication that I love myself. That's an indication that I love something else or someone else, but it's not an indication that I love her. And so again, when we're, when we're looking at our walk with God, we need to recognize that there is responsibility to love him and to love him not just in words, but in deeds. That's how this stuff works. That's how love works. When you go through the chapter on love, which is 1 Corinthians 13, there is nothing in there about feelings. Not one word about feelings all the way through. And what it's, what it's all about is a changed life and actions that show the love. And that's the kind of love, again, that we're supposed to have for the Lord. If I don't have the actions, I don't have the love, right? And so that tells you where you gotta go if you're walking in disobedience to the Lord. So if I'm walking in disobedience to the Lord, my issue is not struggling with my flesh. My issue is not being weak and powerless. That is not my issue. If I'm walking in disobedience to the Lord, the issue is love. That's the issue. And once you figure out the love thing and start going in that direction, then all the other stuff starts falling into place. And I'm not saying that we're not to be disciplined, and I'm not saying that God doesn't give us power, because he does. But if I don't take care of the love thing, then I'm missing the point altogether. So love and obedience go hand in hand. And so anytime that I find myself disobeying God, that's, that's where I go. I go, Jesus, obviously, I got a problem here. I don't love you like I should, and I'm loving something else right, right now more than I love you. And so, Jesus, will you change my heart? Will you please help me to love you the way that I'm supposed to? 1 John 2, 6 says, um, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. And so, again, there's that whole idea of a lifestyle that shows the love that we have for the Lord. You know, when you're looking at progression in a believer's life, the first thing, again, that I noticed was that God loved me and I recognized God's love. And once I recognized God's love, there was a repentance in my mind. There was a turning around. I realized that I wasn't going in the direction he wanted me to, and because he loved me, and because I wanted to show him, show him that I loved him back, there was a repentance in my mind. Then there's empowerment by the Holy Spirit. You can be repentant and wanting to turn away from your sin and from your disobedience and not have the power. And so God gives you the power to overcome your sin. But again, it's a, the love has to come first. And then there's a recognition that there's no serving with my mind. I can't just serve God with my mind. I've got to serve God with everything that I've got. In fact, Paul in Romans chapter 7 says, there's a, there's a problem with me here. Because all the things that I don't want to do are all the things that I'm doing. 
and all the things that I do want to do are all the things that I'm not doing. And then he says, I recognize that I serve God with my mind, but in my flesh there dwells no good thing. And I'm paraphrasing that whole thing. Oh, who will deliver me from my bondage to this body or to this flesh? And the point that Paul's making there is that serving with the mind is, is not enough. There needs to be an actual walk where there's obedience. And that's where you get to chapter eight in Romans, and that's all about being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so God gives us the power to do the things that he calls us to. But again, it begins uh, with love. And if there's no serving with the mind at all, then there's no love, right? And so if everything that God tells me I don't wanna do, and in my head, I'm like, not really interested, there's a problem there. And the problem there is, there's, uh, again, no recognition of God's love. There's no love there. And so he says, abide in my love. And that's how, that's how you get there. Be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. Um, then you have the promise of joy. He says in verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So joy, I wanna have a full joy. And it's not happiness. The word happiness comes from the word happenstance. And it's the idea of feeling of well-being that comes from my circumstances. That is not what God wants for me. It's not what God wants for you. What God wants for you is a joy, a joy that comes from the inside despite, of circ despite circumstances. Psalm 16, eight through nine says this, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. I want that kind of joy, full joy. And again, not happiness. There's a, there's a verse in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses six through eight that speaks about this whole thing. And Peter is talking to Christians and he says this, in this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. It's one of those, one of those verses where you kind of see the wonder in Peter's mind, because he's a guy who knew Jesus. He's a guy who walked with him for three and a half years. He saw him die on the cross. He saw, you know, he saw the resurrected Jesus. He was there with him for the next 40 days after the resurrection. And then he saw him ascended into heaven. He knew what his voice sounded like. He knew what he looked like. He knew what he smelled like. He knew, he knew his mannerisms. He knew all this stuff about him. And it's just totally appropriate that Peter would love him. And then we're, we're down the road a ways, we're decades down the road, and he's got this, this, this group of people, actually it's more than one group, a bunch of churches full of people who've never seen him, never touched him, never heard him, not, not with, their, with their actual ears, um, never had that kind of relationship with him, and yet they love him too. And they're rejoicing with joy, as he says there, 
inexpressible and full of glory. Joy that you just, you, you, you just can't communicate to people. An overwhelming joy. And that, again, is what my life is supposed to be like. That's what your life is supposed to be like. That's, that's, that's what this whole thing looks like. And again, it all begins with the love. And so I have, I have the love of Christ in my, in my life, and what's going to happen is I'm going to have a joy that's full. And Jesus says these things so that our joy can be full. One of the things that you ought to do sometime is go through, this is called the um, Paschal Discourse, and it starts in chapter 14. Go through chapter 14 and all the way to, through to chapter 17 and underline all the places where it talks about joy. Because there are gonna be times when you're overwhelmed by your circumstances and you're gonna realize that you've lost your joy. And if you wanna get it back, you go back and look at how Jesus gets it. And what he said is, I just said all these things to you so that you can have joy and so that your joy can be full. That's why, that's why I said these things to you. And so it's one of those things where you can go in and you can practically look at these things and uh, have an understanding of it. Joy comes from fellowship with God. First John uh, 1, 3 through 4 says this, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. And John's the same guy who wrote this book. First John, John the Gospel, John wrote these things. And so again, you have that, that whole concept of the fact that they've seen Jesus and they heard him. In another, uh, in the previous verse, it talks about seeing him and then it talks about seeing him and examining him closely. When you're, when you're looking at the Greek there. They didn't just look at Jesus and see him in, a, in some kind of passing way. There were times where they sat there and stared at him to figure out what was going on. And again, that whole thing, you can, you can imagine John writing that down and having the words of Jesus ringing in his ears. You know, a lot of times we'll read through our Bibles and we'll have the words of Jesus ringing in our ears, so to speak, but not in his voice. And that's how John lived his life with Jesus's voice ringing in his ears. And he wants to communicate that with us. Philippians 4.4 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And so there needs to, we, we need to have joy in our lives. There's, this is good news. A life that we have, it's an awesome life. And when you, when you really sit down and, and start thinking about where you could be and what you could be doing and what could be being done to you, if you'd continued in the way that you started out, you got all kinds of reason to be rejoicing in the Lord. My grandma used to say, count your blessings, Stevie. <laughs> and I was always like, yeah, whatever, grandma. But that's absolutely true. I need to count my blessings. And there's a lot of things that I shouldn't have that I do have, and it all comes from following Jesus. And I, I can give you that list again. My mom mar was married 10 times, and so that should be the norm for me. Marriage, divorce, marriage, divorce, marriage, divorce. I figured I was gonna get divorced at least twice, and by the time I got to the third woman, I was gonna be too tired to do anything else. That's, that's kinda how I thought things were gonna go uh, before I was a believer. And here I am, and I've been married since 1982, and she still likes me. It's amazing. So.
Yeah, you can clap for I'll, I'll clap for that. <laughs> I don't know if she's watching, but don't tell her I said all that. She'll, she'll just get such a fat head. No, I'm just joking. She knows it. You've been listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities in Kennewick, Washington. If you are interested in purchasing a copy of today's message or wanting to know more about what it means to follow Christ, then please contact our church office by phone at 509-736-2086. You can also look us up online at calvary-tricities.org. There you will find a wide variety of Pastor Steve's teachings to listen to or download for free. If you want to join us for church sometime, we are located at 10611 West Clearwater Avenue in Kennewick, Washington. Our Sunday morning service times are 7.30, 9.15, and 11 a.m. We also have Wednesday and Sunday evening services at 6.30 p.m. We hope you have been blessed today and join us again next time for Crosswalk.